45 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right. Let's go on a Tuesday. Welcome into the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. That's what you get with our friends at Farm Bureau Insurance across the state of Mississippi. Local agents in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Roger is here today, Mr. It's Rogers a Neighborhood. Day in this neighborhood, a beautiful It day is in fact a beautiful day in our neighborhood. What about you, Roger? Oh, it's nice. Yeah. Nice. It's you just look up and see all the jet contrails with their virus that they're seeding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Kim trails? <laughs> yeah, the Kim trails. And they're like massive conspiracy theories out there about Kim trails and what those things do to us. Well, they, I know they make uh, meth heads teeth fall out. <laughs> That's what's doing it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Glad to know. So meth is okay, but the chemtrails will kill you, right? That's, yeah, that's what's what got killing you, man. All right. <clears throat> no, meth, we can't let that go. We can't Wait, say, can't say that. No, we can't say that. We're not, not saying that. We're not saying that. It's funny. It's weird. But, Roger, this is the second time today that, the, that meth, crystal meth, has come up in a conversation I've had. The first one was way early this morning before I actually went to uh, the doctor to get a shot or, you know, basically get some help for this cold and whatever you want to call it, the crud that jumped them. suggested meth. <laughs> well, right. No, I was talking to my dad and he was telling me about this particular medicine that really works well for him. And you can buy it over the counter. It's just sort of, it's like you can go into the drugstore and buy it. You just have to show your ID and stuff, and it's like the pharmacist has it behind the counter. He said because it's some type of deal that they use to make crystal meth. <laughs> he it said, but like a precursor, yeah. Yeah, well, he said, but when you get it and and use it for the right reasons, he said it really can help you. But I'm not going to need to do anything like that because I did epinephrine. Go get it. I went and got a shot in the butt yeah. at the doctor this morning. So, um, so there, and I heard um, help every time. <laughs> yeah, I heard the end of uh, Chris Brooks' show. And he was saying that he was going to go flip on his radio and listen to see if I, Matt, had a radio voice. And number one, I don't care. Number two, <laughs> how'd this come up? <laughs> I don't know. I have no earthly idea how it came up. Yeah. But I just heard it. And so, Chris, if you're listening, whatever you're hearing today is actually not my voice, whether good or bad. You may listen and go, boy, Matt's voice sounds great. Well, it ain't my voice. <laughs> this is. Um, this is like the beginning of bronchitis talking. But I have gotten the shot. It is remedied. I've been warned by everybody already, Matt, you know you're not going to sleep tonight. I'm like, well, that's okay. I'll just get out in the backyard, turn the lights on at midnight, and bag up more leaves. 
<laughs> needs to be done anyway. Yeah, um, that won't bother the neighbors. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's exactly. Well, my dad commented on that, too. He said, you know, to wake up the neighbors, he said, but so what? They can come out there and help you. <laughs> we had a lady in our neighborhood who would do uh, yard work, you know, all, up until midnight or after. And, oh, yeah. And I didn't know. They didn't tell me I was, I was a kid. <laughs> she was doing the speed. Oh, no. Yeah. No wonder she had energy. The speed. <laughs> the speed. Okay, listen, uh, if you're tuning in, a couple things that you need to know. First of all, we're going to have a couple of guests in today's show if everything goes according to plan. And one of those, uh, basically right now, about a minute or two from right now, uh, we're going to reach out to Parrish Alford. And Parrish um, does the best job that I know of of covering Ole Miss sports throughout the year consistently. Uh, he is the Ole Miss beat writer for um, the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. And he covers Ole Miss, and you know, I've, I've especially back during baseball, we talked to Parrish a lot, and then things got hot and heavy during base uh, during football season, and it's been a while since I talked to Parrish. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to chatting it up with him. And then later in the show today, John Cohen, Athletics Director of Mississippi State, going to join us. And uh, we'll have a chance to talk to John about, you know, the, the thought process and how things went with, you know, making a decision on what you're going to do, or or – not making a decision, you just keep on rolling when when you're evaluating a coach or a program. We'll talk about that a little bit with John and and look forward with him. So that is all coming up today in the Farm Bureau studio. And we're connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired at C Spire. And, of course, if you're watching on the stream on Facebook or Twitter, you can see the numbers there. Give me a call later on on the Divinity Equipment phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson. And you can also text the show, okay? It's 885-ESPN or 885-3776. And then uh, also, uh, yeah, you can tweet the show as usual, and we'll get to some of those too and we'll get things coming in uh, right and left. But right now, first up on the Divinity Equipment phone, friend of the show, and does a heck of a job covering Ole Miss. And, man, he's he's got plenty of it to cover right now, that's for sure. And that's Parrish Alford of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, the Ole Miss beat writer for them up in my neck of the woods. Parrish, good Tuesday to you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Matt, I'm doing fine. And you need to be very careful how you use the word stream after the egg bowl. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's I, you know, Parrish, a really smart radio host. When I did that first uh, live stream, as you say, to recap the Egg Bowl back on like Sunday or Saturday, whenever it was, I would have incorporated that. I should have consulted you. I mean, you guys are the ones who are good at the headlines, anyway, right? Like y'all think about that in the newspaper business. <laughs> John, John Pitts is excellent with headlines. He does a great job, and he's excellent on Twitter too. You know. He, yeah. he has a lot of, of those tweets where you look at it, you read it, and you go, I don't care who you are, that's funny. <laughs> he has a lot of those right. uh, kind of tweets. Parrish, um, you know, it's not funny when somebody loses their job. Matt Luke uh, got, let go as the head coach of Ole Miss, I guess, three years into that. He was interim, and then he was, you know, uh, permanent head coach for two years. What were your thoughts when you saw the news that he was – fired basically as the head coach uh, you know Matt anytime you hear the vote of confidence uh, in late November you know you kind of get your guard up because uh, I think an administration can believe in a coach 
can believe they're not going to fire a coach, but things change. And I think things change with Matt uh, after the Egg Bowl. I, I don't believe on that day, that uh, which was only 12 days ago, or, or, or we're talking November yeah. 22nd, mm-hmm. when uh, Keith Carter was announced as the full-time AD. I don't believe he thought he'd be uh, separating from Matt Luke right after the Egg Bowl. But I do believe that on that day he could already sense some apathy, as he said, uh, within the fan base. All season long there were uh, people who wanted to move on from Matt Luke, Ole Miss people, and I'm talking in the fan base. You know, there was a segment there that I think, one, there was a segment that was never going to be satisfied because they wanted, after Hugh Freeze, a complete makeover, somebody brand new, just just really getting away from the entire Hugh Freeze staff. And that, of course, did not happen. So you had that segment there, and then you have you had a growing segment who were not pleased with wins and losses, and I think did not give ample consideration to NCAA sanctions and scholarship cuts and things like that. I mean, Matt Luke was dealt a poor hand. He was. Um, but be that as it may, you know, when you start losing uh, people who contribute money, I mean, that, that makes you do different things. And I think that's how Ole Miss got where they are today. I'm not sure that just losing the Egg Bowl you know, had it been just a one-point loss in the Egg Bowl, I'm not sure that would have, uh, you know, would have had Ole Miss moving on from Matt Luke. But the way it ended with uh, Elijah Moore and his antics there in the end zone and all of the negative uh, narrative that came from that, all of the negative uh, media coverage and that sort of thing, uh, I think that caused more people to move into that uh, fire Matt Luke camp. And, you know, Keith Carter even said as much during uh, his press conference on Monday, you know, look, there was apathy, and, and frankly, there was more of it after the game. And, and I'm paraphrasing here when he said, uh, we lost some people we weren't going to get back. Mm. So to me, the whole situation just underscores that, look, you can say one thing and believe one thing as an administration, but when it comes down to it, you know, your people, your people get to vote, you know, and, and if they start, you know, if they stop attending and start withdrawing contributions, uh, that's how you get to this point. Matt, you look around college football and you see all of the amenities in the game, the, the big video boards, the club seating, uh, the suites, all of these things. You see all of these massive coaching salaries. You know, this comes from private contributions. You know, this isn't coming from, from money at state schools in, in those those budgets, you know. And and so when people stop contributing like that, uh, you've got to really uh, evaluate what you're doing. Parrish offered on your radio, it just sounds, Parrish, like, I mean, you basically just said it, that the embarrassment that came along with the way they lost the game. You know, it's not just missing an extra point that would have tied it and gotten it into overtime, it's missing it with a 15-yard penalty because of what the kid did. Do you think – I mean, it just sounds like you're saying that was the thing that really kind of pushed it over the edge for a lot of the supporters who then held their feet to the fire and said, hey, we want to change. Yeah, I, I do think it was that. I think if Luke Logan makes, makes that kick 
and they go on and play some overtime. And you know, and Ole Miss, even if Ole Miss had lost, I'm, I'm not sure the outcry would have been the same. Had Luke Logan made that kick and extended the game, and Ole Miss had won the game, then I think the the narrative is completely different. I mean, you know, Ole Miss was able to withstand that action and that penalty two years ago from DK Metcalf because it came earlier in the game and they had a lead and. You know, it just circumstances were completely different. Um, not that they were better, not that it should have happened. You know, there should have been uh, some more, a little more outcry from that. But, um, you know, just such a totally different set of circumstances in the game when Elijah Moore made that decision. Sure. What did you make, Parrish, of the players, as it was reported, quote, storming out of that meeting where Keith Carter was telling the players that they were making a change at head coach. What would you make of that whole scene? Well, when I read that the first time, I thought, I'm not sure that this is how it went down. Uh, I saw the quote that was attributed to um, Chandler to it yeah. when he said half the team was talking about leaving. Um, <clears throat> I think it's an emotional time. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I just thought half was a big number to take and run with it and expect that that's where they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was able to speak to one of the players yesterday, uh, Ryder Anderson, who, who really, uh, basically, uh, contradicted that, said certainly that was not his opinion. And he didn't believe that was, uh, the makeup of the, the team's mindset right now. And uh, others, I've seen uh, Muhammad Sanogo on Twitter. Uh, there, there are others who have uh, basically countered that opinion. And uh, there are players here who who think, uh, look, this is not what Coach Luke would want from us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's not what uh, what he would have taught. You know, he would have taught to work through adversity and you know the best you can. Uh, look. Matt, coaching changes are a part of college football, and, and I would say, you know, every time you see one, you, you're going to hear a player say, "Well, they're not, ta- you know, they're not taking into consideration what the players want." I would say, Matt, that, that if they went by what the players wanted, that there would be many, many fewer head coaching changes oh, sure. in college football. Oh, sure. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there's it, college football is hard. You know, it's a shared struggle within these teams. Long, grueling practices, for, you know, from August and, and just commanding your attention from August uh, through the regular season and then even after, you know, in, in the modern era. And you build relationships. And those relationships are deep. And uh, and you do bond. So, you know, if it's left up to players, you know, uh, they, they're just not going to be that many coaching changes. I think you're exactly right. Parrish Alford on your radio right now. He covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Y'all follow him on Twitter, at Parrish Alford. Spell his name out. So in Internet land, a lot of people think that Mike Norvell, the head coach at Memphis, is the leader in the clubhouse. Parrish, what do you think? I would agree with that. Uh, you know, and but here's the thing, Matt. I mean, you can see these names come out like this, but uh, – if Keith Carter handles this search the way he said on Monday that he would handle it, which is basically himself and a search firm that might include one or two people, an executive and maybe an assistant, 
that's a really small circle. You take you, you got those guys and maybe a couple of others that, that Keith is comfortable with that he might bounce ideas off of. That's a really tight circle. He stressed confidentiality more than once in that press conference. And with a circle like that, there's no reason he should not achieve confidentiality. And I say that to say that there's not going to be official information coming on this search. Yeah. Unless for whatever reason they change course and decide to put a few names out and, and leak information. I don't think they're going to do that. Okay, so there's not going to be official information. That's not going to stop people from talking about it and wanting to hear about it. So in the absence of information, you have speculation. Okay? Yeah. So, it's, and it's okay to speculate. And uh, Mike Norvell makes sense. I, I've seen a couple of different uh, media outlets uh, uh, naming him as kind of a front runner. I've seen Billy Napier's name uh, up there a lot. Uh, they make sense. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting with those names is, you know, they're not going to be run-dominated offenses, and uh, that kind of, that might be an indication of, of where Keith Carter wants to take this thing. It may, may want to get away from uh, the, the ground-oriented Rich Rodriguez style that Ole Miss played this past season. Hmm. Uh, those two names make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, I saw the Ole Miss, <coughs> excuse me, the Ole Miss spirit today. Uh, also mentioned uh, Will Healy at Charlotte and Jeff Scott at uh, Clemson, the co-offensive coordinator. I know that uh, that Keith Carter said that he would consider Power Five coordinators, but I just think that he would prefer a sitting head coach which in all likelihood is going to come from a, a group of five schools. Yeah. Um, you know, it may, maybe the search gets to a coordinator. Um, but I think it, if it's true, if we are correct, that uh, Mike Norvell and Billy Napy are the top two, well, Mike Norvell might have some options. It's, it's possible that, uh, you know, that, that they can't work things out with him. Uh, but you know, I, I think uh, I think Ole Miss would be pretty attractive for Billy Napier. Yeah, you know, certainly in terms of salary, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, if someone else may target him as well. But uh, you know, he's got he's not a young guy necessarily at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, he hasn't been there that long, but he's been around and he's he's been successful in a lot of places. You know, and so, the the thing that's interesting to me too, Parrish, I got like two minutes left here, is it just seems like for 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 you guys covering a school during a coaching search, it's a lot different than it used to be. Now certainly it's different than it was twenty years ago, but you know, even say uh fourteen years ago when they were going through it and hired Ed Ogeron, it's like chasing down the scoop for so many it seems more difficult now and and I just wonder if that's over time these ADs have become more experienced and understand that they just they want to run it tightly and they don't want anything getting out am I am I on the mark or off the mark I think you are on the mark I think that's going to be the nature of any coaching search is they're going to try to run it tight hmm. uh, the coaching search that produced Ed Ogeron uh, we had Pete Boone as AD at Ole Miss and Robert Kayette as chancellor. 
both of those guys were talking. They, they didn't mind talking. Yeah. You know, they, they mm-hmm. would kind of update you, and, you know, and, and it was, that was different. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and so uh, I've seen some tweets coming out of some, uh, some NFL, uh, media types. I think, uh, those people, the, the NFL circles, they're in tune with with uh, college football and the movement of coaches and whatnot. And, and I've seen some of those folks uh, list uh, Mike Norvell as a favorite at Memphis, and, uh, excuse me, at Ole Miss, things like that. I mean, I think when you see tweets coming from that area, that those people are in tune in these discussions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, not not Ole Miss specifically, but college football in general, right? Yeah, you know, so and they're all anyway. Yeah, well, it's it going to be different. It's different. You can just tell, and you know, I think more schools they'll cut off your access if you spoil something, you know, and everybody has to cons- consider that these days. Uh, Parrish, listen, thanks, man. I uh, hadn't talked to you in a while. I I knew you would be right up in the middle of it, and we'll make sure we're following on Twitter for you and. And at the Daily Journal as well. And the Facebook group, um, Paris does a really an, an excellent job with this. Y'all check it out if you haven't already. It's a Facebook group called Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. It's comprehensive, it's frequent, and it's accurate. I encourage you to go check that out. Parrish, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yep. Have a good day. You too. Have a good one. Parrish Alford of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. And, again, that Facebook group is Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Y'all check that out. He does a really good job. Just getting started on this Tuesday in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. How do you decide who to hire as your head coach in football? How do you decide that? What are the qualities and qualifications that if you were the AD, that that's what you would circle, that's what you'd look for, and you'd find someone who checks those boxes so that you could most confidently feel like you've hired the right person? (laughs) it's not a trick question, but the more you start to think about it, I hope the more you'll see that, man, it is hit or miss. It is hit or miss, and it has been historically. And so with that said, it's amazing how fan bases and big portions of fan bases will throw a fit when somebody's hired they don't like, even when lots of the Boxes are checked. And certainly, you know, not willing to trust someone who your school has hired as the athletics director to with all the qualifications, therefore, and the paycheck to back it up, that this guy should be able to go out and hire a competent coach. And you know this, and I know this. Everybody does the best they can. Some of them work out. Some of them don't. Why? Okay? What are you looking for? If you are making a hire, what are you looking for? And in this case, it's Ole Miss, who has fired Matt Luke, and now they're going to looking for a head coach. What are the qualities? 
what are the things on his resume that for you would be a must that you feel you would have to see or have in a coach? I'm curious what you might say about that. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau Insurance, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service, and the kind of people that you want to deal with. Your hometown heroes, local Farm Bureau insurance agents across the state of Mississippi. Find a local agent right there in all 82 counties, regardless of where you are. True Maroon on the text line says for Ole Miss, he needs to be a loser. Okay, is that what is that right? Mm-hmm. Picking up your sarcasm there. Uh, Ghost text says, is it true that Ole Miss pulled the urinator's scholarship? Yeah, I hadn't hadn't heard anything about that. Doubt it. I like the name, though. I like it. The urinators. Um, That might be a better mascot. (laughs) Paris told me the stream takes on a different meaning. We're talking about streaming now. (laughs) Um, Gator Man on the text line says, don't sleep on Del Boca Vista. In Boca Raton. What is all that about? Is that the Boca Raton Bowl he's talking about? That the that Cherry Bundy Bowl? I mean, I don't know. I think that's the one that's in Boca Raton. But were, were we talking about that? I mean, that must go but, back to somebody else's show. Well, talking about what possible bowls. Aren't they, yeah. aren't they thinking the Belk Bowl looks like the one? No, I, I think, you know, I've heard that rumor. Uh, I've seen all kinds of projections. I think you're in. you're obviously in that pool of bowls that includes – Charlotte, Nashville, Memphis, and what? One more, Texas, Houston. So the Texas Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, the Music City Bowl in Nashville, and the Belk Bowl in Charlotte. I actually saw one projection today that had Southern Miss going to the Belk Bowl in Charlotte to play Virginia Tech. How about that? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, that would just be awesome for Southern Miss. To go out there playing an NFL stadium on that particular game, that'd be cool. And they had State matched up against Louisville in the Music City Bowl. And that's great and all, but heck, you played Louisville in a bowl game two years ago. And I think generally, it's my understanding, generally when they do these selections, they try to avoid matching up the same teams against each other all the time. But we'll see. You know, it is, it sort of is what it is in, in that regard. But But here's what... And then I'm coming to Gator Man on the phone. Here's what I'm asking about the whole coach thing. You know, I started after the whole Dan Mullen deal and looking around at some others, you know, you can find these examples that says, well, you ought to look for a coach that knows what it's like to coach and recruit in the Southeastern Conference because it is different. There's something different about it. It is, you know, coaching and competing in this league week to week, plus recruiting this league is just a little different than it is in other places. And I agree with that. I mean, the gauntlet that you run playing football in the SEC, is it, it doesn't compare in the Big Ten. There are great teams, super talented teams in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, but there's not one every week. There's a whole bunch of teams in the Big Ten at the bottom who recruit in the 50s and 60s. You know, there are very few of those in the SEC. I mean, State and Ole Miss will finish, you know, 10th and 11th or 12th, and they're recruiting in the top 25, top 30. It's different in the SEC. And so I tend to lean towards if you've got someone on your radar 
who would be a potential candidate for you, and they actually have experience in their pocket in the league, coaching in it week to week and game planning it week to week, as well as recruiting in it, that person, to me, for me personally, would maybe have a bit of an advantage. Well, you would then go, well, but what about Urban Meyer, Matt? What about Urban Meyer? What about when Florida hired Urban Meyer as its head coach in 2005, straight out of Utah? Never been in the SEC. Notre Dame assistant, head coach Bowling Green, head coach Utah. That worked out pretty well, didn't it? Yeah. No SEC experience for him. So, I mean, you can find those examples. You can also find examples of guys with plenty of SEC experience, and it didn't work. I mean, look at Will Muschamp at South Carolina. He knocked off Georgia this year, and they have a competitive team and all that. But, I mean, he was a head coach in that same division in the SEC. And it's not like he went in there and it just set the woods on fire. So there's so many what-ifs and hits and misses that it's just not an exact science at all in terms of who you should or shouldn't hire. Well, you know, one thing that's very important, all coaches are in coaching, well, hopefully for a couple reasons. One, for education and young people. That a boy, Jake. That a baby. I saw Jake's live stream yesterday afternoon looking good. Good, good. good. He's got the big LSU flag on the wall. <laughs> well, you know, this is a good year to do that. Up, you know. Good year, right? <laughs> That's right. It's a good year to have it. So, all right, here we go. Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. You're a Kubota dealer. Go test drive something today. Why not? Gator Man on the Divinity phone. What's up, Gator Man? Well, you didn't mention what was over his left shoulder. What was over <laughs> his left shoulder? I don't even know. Collinsworth jersey. Oh, the th- throwback Collinsworth jersey. Oh, I thought that was like I thought that was a Clemson thing. I saw the orange. I thought Clemson. Oh yeah, the no, shot didn't go up that high, did it? We yeah. talked about that before, Matt. Yeah, I'm just messing with you, Gator man. I knew what it was. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, you know that was right on what you were talking about a minute ago. It's not why I called, but I wanted to add to that. You take those teams in the Big Ten. Um, on the lower part of, you know, like the Northwesterns or the Purdue's, um, you know, teams like that, um, and you flip it over and just take, for instance, Arkansas or, you know, let's say Missouri or Kentucky, um, you're going to play teams in the SEC every week that has NFL players on their roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. if you just go and look, I mean, it's, just take, for instance, Mississippi State, who historically it, it does not recruit as high as the LSUs, the, the Alabamas, the, the um, you know, the Georgians. But they're, they're littered with, you know, NFL players up and down all over the NFL. I, you, you watch every su- Sunday, you'll hear Bernardrick McKinney's name mentioned or, yeah. you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. But um, that text earlier was from uh, Chris's show. They were okay. talking about Lane Kiffin, Oxford, or Boca Raton, which was a better place to party because Lane Kiffin has a history of partying. And I was making a reference to Seinfeld for Bees. Del Boca Vista was the retirement oh, village that okay. Jerry's, parents, <laughs> Jerry's parents lived in. With Marty. And it was a, With Marty. It was a joke. Yeah, Del yep. Boca Vista. And, That's uh, good stuff, you know, Gator, man. I appreciate the Jerry's, heads up on that. Yeah, man. Have a go. You too. We got to split. Be right back. Stick around.
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. I was quite worried when I got the that shot that's supposed to knock out the crud, the cold, and flu symptoms, but not the full flu is kind of what I've had. But <clears throat> you get that shot that knocks it out. There's all kinds of medicine in that shot. So you got the flu? No. no. Okay, well. Just flu. You know, like when you see the commercials, uh, Roger, flu-like like symptoms. <laughs> yeah, you feel like crap. I got the flu-like <laughs> symptoms. Yeah. Just, just not the flu. No, the, but, You have the stuff that could kill you. Yeah, exactly. But um, they give you that shot. And several years ago, a couple of years ago, I had been out in the woods. We were relic hunting down in Vicksburg doing some Civil War relic hunting. And we were down in the ground in the woods. And this is around Easter. And I'm digging down in the dirt, both hands, and pulling weeds You're out. Lucky. You got a place over there to do that. Yeah. And I came out of there with the worst case of like poison ivy, poison oak I've Ooh. ever had. Had it all over me. I'm talking on my face. That stuff hangs around entirely yeah. too long. It covered both arms. I mean, it was incredible. Wow. <laughs> it's <was> horrible. <laughs> and um so I went I, I got a shot for that. And it was a real it was a bad case. And so they really this is a souped up shot I got. And it gave me the hiccups for a week. The steroid that was in there, you know, they rumor it can give people hiccups. It gave me the hiccups for a solid week. Oh, which was, I would have rather had the itch, I think. It was torture. But it was also funny. There were a lot of funny things. Like, I'm, my daughter had a play that she was in. I was sitting on the front row, and I just kept, every now and then I'd hiccup and I'm bouncing in that like front jack seat. Jack of the box, man. You know, and I'm not a small guy either. So every time I hiccup and bounce, it shakes the whole row in those old seats and that old. So I had to get up and go to the back. Yeah, so I was worried about that. I thought, you know, I can't do a radio show if I've got constant hiccups, but I had to get the shot. So, so far, no hiccups. Knock on wood on that. So far, we're making it through the radio show, and that's uh, the way it is. On the text line, let's get into some of the text today. Science. Science. Madison Mailman says, did you find anything? Yeah, um, over the years, I've found a lot of stuff. Now, not nearly as much as... Poison ivy. Yeah, I can tell you where you go if you want to do a study on poison ivy. Um, but not as much as a lot of people have found who are really dedicated and maybe live there and have more access. But over the years, I've, I've just I, I am fascinated by all types of war history. You know, I had a grandfather who fought in World War II and it was in the Battle of the Bulge, was um, injured, wounded, uh, lost an eye. Had to have uh, reconstructive surgery around one eye and cheekbone on the side of his face. And, you know, my whole life, knowing him, which was obviously years later, he had a glass eye on one side there. So because of that, I used to see his medals and his uniforms in a chest and hear, you know, stories. But he didn't talk a lot about it. But I was always just fascinated with World War II history. And then that led me to study kind of on my own. Civil War history when I moved to Mississippi, but especially as an adult and my wife being from Vicksburg. And I just love driving around, walking around, seeing the geography, trying to picture it when it didn't have trees and when, you know, where the different lines of battle were and try to figure out the maneuvering and the 
the ground they covered, the amount of walking they did, but then also this idea of just ultimate bravery. You've got this cause that you believe in so much that you walk straight into or run straight into enemy fire, face first. So just regardless of what your side of the cause you were on, the idea that you believed in it strongly enough that you had this level of bravery that you just go right into a hail of bullets, right into cannons shooting artillery shells at you. That would just one, you can't see them coming there so fast and just one second you're there, the next second you are gone. You read about soldiers talking about fellow soldiers being, quote, blown to particles by an artillery shell. You talk about reminiscent of that opening scene of uh, Saving Private Ryan, yeah. which is what a lot of guys who had been through that said that was the most, that was as close to it as they've ever seen in, mm-hmm. in the movies. The actual thing, Saving Private People Ryan. People falling left and right of you. Yeah. You know, and you, you read soldier diaries about, uh, you know, a, an artillery shell or, you know, case shot coming through there, and they would, quote, unquote, cut a man in half. Just cut him in half. Yeah. And now it's gross and it's awful, but I think, you know, we've got to remember with accuracy what happened in history so that you don't repeat it. You don't find yourself in that situation again. And then it's even, it's even harder to kind of wrap your mind around, Roger, that there were more people killed or died in the Civil War because of disease than in actual battle. Um, which is just hard to, you know, grasp. And so anyway, I got into studying it and looking at it. And, and so it is, it's pretty, I, I've kind of trailed off. I don't have the time for it anymore, but there for a couple of years, I got into it and found all kinds of stuff. Lots of drop bullets, fired bullets, buttons off coats and cuff buttons and artillery shells and pieces of one and, you know, whole ones and money that was probably dropped by a soldier at a campsite and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really neat to, to hold that stuff in your hand if you appreciate history. Uh, Jackson Mailman on the text line says, with your knowledge of the state program, what are your thoughts about any of the players that didn't get to play the full season coming back that are not seniors or will some jump to the league? And also, if any players will transfer – since Luke has been fired, and if so, Chances State could get a few of them if they fit with us. You know, Jackson Mailman, I would tell you that I think in today's era, probably just about anything is on the table. Um, you know, you take a case like Kylan Hill, my thoughts on him are he, he, you've got to – he's got to go and get as accurate a feedback as he can get. Uh, regarding the potential draft status. And as a running back, it's okay if you're not a first-round pick. If you're a second- or third-round pick, you probably ought to go if that's the position you play because once you get to the NFL, running backs have such a short shelf life because of the physicality of their position. And so that wear and tear that someone like Kylan Hill would receive if he plays another year of college let that wear and tear happen during his rookie season in the NFL if they are going to draft him somewhere around the second round. If they tell him he needs another year of college or else teams are going to take him fourth, fifth round, or maybe not take him, if it's borderline at all, then he, he needs to come back because another year running the ball like he's capable of while also improving all the other stuff, Kylan could actually elevate himself into a first-round pick. So that's my thoughts on him. 
you know, somebody like Willie Gay, who's missed all this time this year, um, I think it's pretty obvious that he needs to come back. And I would imagine that NFL teams would probably advise him of that. But I'm not an NFL team. That's what I would advise him, though. That's the way I'd be thinking about it if I were, you know, an NFL team. You know, you look at Tua Tonga-Valoa. There's no question that the the constant state of injuries that he's gone through the last two years, for me, if I were an NFL GM, all of a sudden now after this last one, this hip thing, uh, that would be a major red flag for me as far as drafting him like in the first round and, you know, throwing millions at him and thinking I'm going to build my franchise around him, somebody who's already had close to a catastrophic injury before he even got to the NFL. It, it, I'm, I'm sorry, but it would be because my thoughts are, you take something like a hip dislocating to the to the severity, to the degree that it did for Tua, you can heal up and be fine. But in my mind, I'm pretty confident it's going to happen again. And I'm afraid that's one of those types of injuries. Bulldog Blitz in the text line says, uh, they're looking for a proven head coach that can recruit well and will likely settle for a Power 5 coordinator. You know, proven head coach. And see, that's another thing. You know, you look at a Dan Mullen was not a proven head coach. Didn't win a national championship at State, trying to win 10 games or what? Has won 10 games two years in a row at Florida, trying to win 11, right? With a bowl game. Uh, whereas Urban Meyer had been a proven head coach at Florida. I mean, at Utah, goes to Florida and wins. Uh, Houston Nutt had been a proven head coach at Arkansas, right? Heisman guy and Darren McFadden uh, took a team to the SEC championship game, won the West. Houston Nutt was a proven head coach. They hired him at Ole Miss, a couple of winning seasons with players who were kind of already there, but then, as we all know, that bottomed out. That's what I'm saying is the point I was making earlier is it sounds good to say, okay, what we need is a proven head coach, and then we're going to check that box. But there's still no way to know. I mean, you can show plenty of examples where a proven head coach went somewhere and it is, well, whatever. Didn't do too good. So, but that's fine. If that's your priority at Ole Miss, you want a proven head coach, you want to look at those guys first. You know, if you're at, I mean, I mean Norvell at Memphis, Mike Norvell at Memphis has done a phenomenal job putting a game plan together, watch them play every week. They score points. He's had to replace coordinators every year, and he does it, and they have success still. But it's a little different at Memphis than it is in the SEC West. It is a little different. Getting players, building a roster, recruiting. You know, a lot of the numbers that you build up on a Memphis offense with that style, and it looks great and it works. A lot of those numbers you build up, you're building those up with against AAC defenses. It's a little different in the SEC West. So there's so many things that are unknown. You just make the best decision you can make and let it ride, man. Go to work. Try to outwork somebody. All right, that'll wrap up Hour 1, Hour 2 in the Farm Bureau studio. Coming up, stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.